That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Gilderoy Lockhart slowly came into view, seated at a table surrounded by large pictures of his own face, all winking and flashing dazzlingly white teeth at the crowd. The real Lockhart was wearing robes of forget-me-not blue, which exactly matched his eyes. His pointed wizard's hat was set at a jaunty angle on his wavy hair. Chapter 4, At Flourish and Blots, Part 2. We covered the first half of this chapter in Tuesday's episode, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, pump the brakes, scoot on back, and give it a listen. It's quite good. This episode is also quite good. We actually get to Flourish and Blots in this episode, so that's cool. The gang is hanging out in Diagon Alley. They get to Flourish and Blots where... Gilderoy Lockhart is hosting a book signing of his new memoir, Magical Me, which Mrs. Weasley may or may not have known about ahead of time. This may or may not have been a calculated visit to Diagon Alley. Gilderoy Lockhart immediately notices Harry, pulls him into the limelight, Harry's literal favorite thing in the world, and presents Harry with a stack of all his books for free, which is so stupid. And then Harry's super embarrassed, so he tries to leave, but guess who's there? The love of his life. I mean, his nemesis, Draco Malfoy. Um, and also Daddy Malfoy. And then Daddy Weasley comes along and we get a dad fight. <laughs> dad fight, which I am so here for. Arthur Weasley throws the first punch. It's crazy. And then Haggard comes in to pull them apart. Lockhart is just like, oh, fuck yeah. Also, at some point, Lockhart announces that he's going to be teaching at Hogwarts during that school year. But that's definitely, like, not the craziest thing in this chapter because of dad fight! Yeah, so then Hagrid pulls apart the dads. (laughs) Everyone's real riled up, so they just go on home. The chapter ends with Harry reflecting that he hates traveling by flu powder, which is understandable. So get ready for some more dad jokes. Get ready for a dad fight. We've had our mom episode last chapter. This chapter is just so so dad heavy. So just strap into your car seats, kids. Daddy's going to take you on a ride. (laughs) I can't tell if that was like sexual or just like a joke about being a baby. I'll leave it up to you to interpret that as you wish. All right. So Lucius Malfoy is at Morgan and Burke's trying to get rid of some items that might, quote, embarrass him were his house to be raided, which we heard Arthur talking about raids and now like Malfoy's talking about raids. Not sure if they're related because why? I don't know, like, why Arthur would have any reason to just like raid Malfoy's house. Yes, Haley. Uh, they are super related um, because the more this is like the politics stuff that I was talking about earlier, like like something is going on with Arthur Weasley. I don't know what, but something is going on where he is like actually getting like some traction with the ministry. He's able to like he's able to conduct more of these raids and he just deeply would love to get something on Lucius Malfoy. And that's why Lucius Malfoy specifically picks Ginny as like the person to frame so that he can discredit, he can discredit Arthur's efforts, like his pro muggle efforts by having his daughter be the one who like opens the chamber of secrets. Wow. 
can I put forth a theory slash no prize uh, explanation here? Wait, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. You say no prize answer all the time. What does that fucking mean? Uh, that's a comics reference. So they used to do a thing in comics called a no prize, where if you basically could write in your own theory as that would explain a plot hole or explain like a, a something in the universe that hadn't been explained yet. And it was called a no prize because you wouldn't get a prize, but you might get a letter back saying like, that's a really cool idea. <laughs> so it's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like all um, I get is credit. But like, so everything we do in this podcast is no yes. prize. Yes, very much <laughs> okay, so. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my, my theory is, you know, we know that uh, Arthur has had very little power for a long time. I think this is a very, very, very long time coming. And I think this goes back all the way to the first war. If he's getting these raids to be done, I'm wondering, I'm willing to bet that it's something to do with working with Dumbledore and the Order of the Phoenix, trying to get it done. Because all these people that are currently out and free all claim that they were under the Imperious curse. Yeah. That's the explanation that we're told. So I think that what we're seeing is this is something that... Arthur was the perfect person to do it because he has such an interest in muggles. You throw him in that department, he works over time, and if you can get into these people's houses and show they have all these dark artifacts, it's obvious they were lying about the Imperius curse, and you can get them arrested. You know what it probably is? The hmm. first book? Voldemort almost came back. The, the Ministry no. has to be aware of that. And so, Dumbledore still has... Yeah, Dumbledore, has, Dumbledore still has a lot of clout, and Voldemort, like, legit almost came back, like, despite their best efforts to keep him from getting his hands on the stone, he came this fucking close. Yeah. And now they have to be seen to be doing something. And I, I think that on top of that, there's, I think Lucius and Arthur have very deep history going back to Hogwarts days, because I think they, they were at Hogwarts at the same time or thereabouts. And I think that, like, in the war, I'm willing to bet there's an unwritten part of the universe that they, like, had Arthur being paramount and Lucius getting captured as a Death Eater. Mm. Wow. This is this is where you start getting some of that fucking lore. You know, yeah. I really like, we're really getting off track, but like, throughout this whole podcast, we're like, what, like 25 episodes in, and like, one thing I've really realized is that the fact that I read this for the first time when I was 10 years old has like, really limited my understanding of a lot of these plot points, because I took them when I was eight or whatever. I interpreted them with the context I had at the time, which for the most part was at face value. And I'm like, I'm like slowly realizing chapter by chapter that I like, as I reread them, I go, I fall back into like the same interpretation of it over and over again. And that's why this podcast is so fucking awesome because y'all yeah. constantly be blowing my minds. <laughs> You read the Wikipedia articles, it's just like, where are you getting all the context for all this? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know where all this info is coming from. And you read the books and you're like, oh, okay, so back It was there just- all along! Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, where the fuck are we? Um, it, I, it, Harry's about Harry's- to skateboard in the Burks. Harry's coming out of the closet. No, no, no. Um, Harry- <laughs> he already did that. Okay, so, so then... Mr. Malfoy be talking shit about Mr. Weasley, and mm-hmm. then Draco's just fucking around like kids do in stores, and just like poking shit, which not a good idea in a dark arts bullshit store. Um, he almost opens the cupboard, but he doesn't. Just in the nick of time, mm-hmm. Lucius calls him back. Um, you also see that opal necklace that um, curses Katie Bell and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
So the Malfoys must have like a pretty like they probably they have like an account here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> put it on my tab. Yeah, put it on my tab. <laughs> I need this cursed necklace. Don't ask questions. Um. So then, finally, the Malfoys leave, and um, Lucius Malfoys like Gorgon come by tomorrow and get all the shit that we've been negotiating about. And I noticed that like the narrative doesn't mention any of the items he's talking about. So either they're all items that went over Harry's head or they're not speaking in specifics for a cer- uh, some reason. You know, he we has like a, a written list. list. Yeah. He, he, he talked about, he mentioned poisons. Yeah. He just yeah. Kind of That's kind of it. Generically. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I don't know if he's like making these poisons, why you need more than one poison. <laughs> Are they There's a lot of muggles out there, man. Um, I guess so. It, it reminds me of in um, the Emperor's New Groove. Isma has that like <laughs> um, that like medicine cabinet full of like all the different poisons labeled with all the different animals. They'll turn. <laughs> this <laughs> is essence of lava. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so when the Malfoys leave, then Borgen is like, "Lucius Malfoy thinks he's hot shit, but he wouldn't even fucking." Bah, 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 bah. I hate this guy. And he's like, "I bet this isn't." half the evil shit he has in his house, which is probably really true. Mr. Um, Morgan's just living that retail life, man. (laughs) (laughs) Malfoy's probably laundering it. He's probably, like, putting little deposits in each little, like, grimy pawn shop. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, so then, and then, so then Morgan goes back into the back of the shop, and finally Harry, for the love of God, can flee. Thank God. So he goes out into Nocturne Alley, which is Quote, made up entirely of shops devoted to the dark arts. He He's like, I'm not in Diagon Alley anymore. <laughs> he runs into a witch, and this is... I had a little shiver go through my spine uh. when he finds that witch and is like, Oh, are you lost, my dear? And she dis- she was described as having mossy teeth. Which- uh, and oh. a tray of whole human fingernails. Oh. Uh. Just mossy teeth is just two words... That should never be combined, ever. Well, and let's be honest, how do you not have clean teeth if you're eating nothing but fingernails? <laughs> I feel like I need to go brush my teeth. Like, well, are uh, you milk with those uh, finger, uh, a bowl of fingernails? <laughs> like in Spongebob. I think it's just right. the abrasion factor. Alright, we're done here. We're done with this. <laughs> You're making me really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Harry looks around confused for exactly five seconds before Hagrid saves him. Thank God. I um, just picks him up by the scruff of his neck and drags him away. Wait, don't yeah. forget that he flips the tray of nails. And he threw it on the ground. I threw it on the ground. Yeah, so he threw it on the ground, and then he, yeah, drags him over to Diagon Alley, and then he's like, I wrote you every day for a year. <laughs> no, he says, how come you never wrote back to me? Um, <laughs> and then Harry's like, oh, it's a fucking, there's like a house elf, and it was like some crazy shit. And then luckily they see Hermione, and then luckily they see the Weasleys, and I mean, really, Molly Weasley had no business sending him into that fireplace on his own. And- can we just briefly pause on, like, this moment that jumped out to me? Like, when the Weasleys both, like, because they run into Arthur first, and then Molly comes up with, like, handbags swinging from one arm, barely clinging to Ginny with the other, <laughs> like, like beside look. herself. And immediately, like, Hagrid's already brushed most of the ash off of Harry. Molly Weasley produces a clothes brush out of fucking nowhere and Is starts that, like, a everything he missed. No, it's it's like you know you know like Downton Abbey for, for when, livery, like, they brush lint. right? For yeah, livery, yeah, for livery, yeah. 
Okay. Like she pr- she pulls one of those out, starts brushing the ash <laughs> off of him. Arthur Weasley, without a word, fixes his glasses, and Hagrid is standing there, having just dragged him bodily away from danger. Those are Harry's parents. Those are all of Harry's parents right yeah, there in one spot. He has and, like, never just been worthlessly cared for. They're fussing over him. People don't fuss over him. He's not used to this. They fuss. I just at love him. that moment. Yeah, Aww, he's got to be baby. uncomfortable with it, baby. He's just so used to fending for himself, honestly. It kind of reminds me of Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little Sean had such a sad, lonely childhood, and whenever people fuss over him now, he's like, I got it. Like, I got it. (laughs) Like, fucking Molly Weasley in this chapter just breaks my heart because she reminds me so much of my mom. Like, because my mom is, like, your best friend's mom who adopts you. Like, both of my best friends I mean, it has been done. Yes. Like, both of my best friends growing up call my mom mom because, like, they both had kind of weird home lives. And, like, watching Molly gradually realize that no one gives a fuck about Harry in this chapter. Like, this is the chapter where she starts realizing it. Like, oh, God, what will her- his aunt and uncle say if we lose him in the flu network? And Harry's like, they will not care. I assure you they will not yeah, care. Yeah, thank you. And she's like, she's been trying to maintain her boundaries. Like, oh, he has guardians. He has like parental figures. Like he has people who take care of him. And this is the chapter where she starts, like, we see her start to realize like, oh no, he doesn't. Okay. I have another son now. (laughs) Yeah. And it really culminates in, um, I think in, oh shit. Which one is it? Oh shit. I think it's in book four when, um, Arthur Weasley comes to get him and it's like, he's like, your nephew just said goodbye to you, like, answer him or whatever. You won't be seeing him oh, for a yeah. year. Yep. And they're just like, <laughs> they're like, uh, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. So I wrote, <laughs> my notes say Hermione. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> so she doesn't do the uh, glasses repair spell in this one. Yeah, it's Arthur Weasley. Don't forget that in the films, all the smart belongs to Hermione. Nobody else gets any. Yep. <laughs> and also, this the book Hermione is smart enough to know not to do magic on a busy wizarding street when you're 12 years old. I guess that's probably true, too. She, yeah. she knows she's, like, not the one to do the thing. It, yeah, it's she like busting out a joint on the street. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look down. Um, it's decriminalized oh. in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, well, Diagon Alley also- is not in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> true also i think in the movie i think it's like just her at first so it's like she is like i'm the one who can fix her glasses now but in the book it's like everyone has descended upon him so she's like someone can probably do this yeah no like in the in the movie like arthur isn't really here for this yeah like to to the movie's great detriment because we miss the fucking brawl yeah wait 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 for it get there eventually i'm just saying all right let's 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 um uh, let's put the pedal to the metal. Um, <laughs> let's do the We're opposite. So of that. Let's pump the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> so Harry tattles on Mr. Malfoy to Mr. Weasley, like about his contraband poison. Is poison contraband? Is that like what you would probably? Say? It's probably. poison <laughs> in real life too. Um, and then Mr. Weasley's like, I fucking knew. We- Mr. Weasley. With Lucius Malfoy is exactly the same way Harry Potter is with Draco Malfoy. Just like I knew he was up to no fucking good. <laughs> um, and then so you're saying Mr. Weasley and Lucius Malfoy are in love? No, that one I think is not <laughs> real. Hi, kitten. Hi, baby. 
Meow. Hi. What's the name? Oh my. This is Abby. Abby. This is Abby. She just. Hi, Abby. She just popped over from the counter and wanted to say hi. She oh looks like god. Dante. She does she look does. like Dante. Oh my god, she's so cute. My princess who can do no wrong. Oh, we love a cat bomb in this podcast. <laughs> um, well, we don't really have a choice, so. Love it or hate it. At least she's not stepping on the keys. It's that, great. That is so true. Okay, so we also, during this whole thing, we meet Hermione's parents. They're muggles. They're allowed in Diagon Alley. Um, they are out of their element. Uh, but they're doing the best they can for their perfect little daughter. So you um, think Diagon Alley, I don't know if this has been discussed, is it like a place out of space? Is it like they're like sent off to somewhere? Or is it literally like just an alley behind like some place in London that's hidden from muggles? London is one of those cities that like was never planned. Like it just kind of happened. It's yeah. a, it's like a lot of cities on the East Coast where like it's just like this was originally like dirt tracks full of piss and like yep. then we eventually started paving them and now like all of the roads are a fucking disaster. So like you yeah. can very easily hide like a couple of shopping districts just in the space behind that block. There's just always construction in Piccadilly Circus and no one knows why. That's where yeah. Diagon Alley is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's that's fully the way that wizards would handle it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they also have all those cool spells where it's like, let's put a spell so that muggles will never think this is weird. Mm-hmm. No one will. Dr- well, let's put a spell so drones can't videotape this. Like the fact that um, the uh, what is it? The Sirius Black's house just like expands the whole From what, place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, well, wasn't it just that expands the whole block? So I don't think it was ever clear with Sirius's house whether that was like a feature of the house or a feature of the secret um, keeper. Yeah, the secret keeper. I, I, I think it. Thing. I think it is because the note that has the name of the address is in Dumbledore's handwriting, and he's the secret keeper. I think That's it is true. a feature of the secret keeper. So that was my first thought too, but I don't think that would work for Diagon Alley, which is like a community space. I think. I think it must be just hidden. Well, and you can't do purely anti-Muggle spells either, because think about like Hermione's parents. Yeah. Fuck them. I I don't think they should be allowed in (laughs) there. I think think it's like a ward. I think it works like a ward. Like, Hermione has to, because in the first book, like, when Harry and Hagrid, like, see the leaky cauldron, Harry has, like, that strong feeling that no one else can see it. So, like, if Hermione can see it and, like, get her parents through the door once they're in, they're in. But I think there's like a there's like a barrier around Diagon Alley. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's my theory anyway. Your theories are great. Thank Um, you. Yeah, that's why I bring you on this podcast. That and my charming personality. Wow, okay. Um, (laughs) That's not what anyone likes a Ravenclaw for, okay? You're not wrong. (laughs) Um, Okay, okay. Andrew, just, we we need to accept it. It's fine. Okay, okay, okay. Um, So we're at Gringotts. (laughs) So awkward, dude. This is like the most awkward, terrible thing. Mm. Harry goes into Gringotts with the Weasleys, and the Weasleys are really poor, and Harry's really rich, and that's just super fucking awkward. Trust fund, baby. <laughs> Let me just go into my vault and grab just a little stack of this giant mountain 
Yeah, that should come of, my of actual literal gold. Did you guys want any of this? I mean, I probably didn't tell you about my. He, buy, he buys his homies some ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's trickle down economics right there. <laughs> it's like yeah. Jeff Bezos buying lunch for his friend, and it's McDonald's. It's like Jeff like Bezos buying pizza for Amazon empl- like warehouse employees. <laughs> it's or cute giving them because basic healthcare. It's cute because. Harry, the only other thing he's ever bought for a friend was candy on the Hogwarts Express. And like, mm-hmm. I kind of get that because in my friend group, it's like the people who make a lot more money just like sometimes buy drinks. You know what it's I mean? It's like kind of the same thing. Yeah. So I'll take the lot. <laughs> yeah, really? So, okay, wait, here's a question. Why do the Weasleys even use Gringotts? If they only have, like, 11 sickles to keep track of. You're just just showing your elitist uh, privilege there. They they probably just have a family account. It seems, like, really impractical, though. Like, why? If you have, like, if you have $100, like, why keep it in a bank? Because then if someone robs you, you lose all $100. I think that the reality is, especially if you're in an economy that is driven by physical currency only, like, we don't ever see anything other than the use of physical money. To keep all of your money, especially if it's a small amount in one location, is a really bad idea. How did wizards not come up with the idea of credit cards before muggles? Yeah. They're all about the drama! (laughs) Well, uh, and (laughs) as we've discussed, they're stuck in the 13th century! Because they're all about the drama! The 13th century was all about the drama! (laughs) So, I I think what we're seeing is probably the Ministry of Magic deposits a certain amount into his bank vault that's distributed by the goblins, and so you've got to have some place for it to go, otherwise... Whatever they're not going to just, like, hand him coins. Yeah, you're not okay, just going to okay, get okay, a, okay. a bag with a dollar or a galleon symbol on it and, uh, you know, payday, here you go, slam it on your symbol. desk. It's literal direct deposit into your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, plus, they might, we don't know anything about, like, Gringotts, like, interest policies, but, like, uh, they might be pretty forgiving. Interesting, Because yeah. like, like, they're serving a small community, so they can afford to. Okay, all right, I stay corrected about the banking thing. Um... So, so yeah, so everybody goes, after Gringotts, everyone goes their separate ways, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione go get some ice cream, which, like, same, I get it. Um, Has anyone ever had strawberry and peanut butter ice cream? No, yes. no, disgusting. I yes, it's amazing. It. That sounds like, kind of good. Is it a British thing? I can't do I, I can't I've do peanut butter that like that. States. Well, I mean, I've, I've had peanut butter and peanut jelly butter. sandwiches with, like... Strawberry, oh, strawberry jam. Strawberry jam. Yeah. yeah, that's different. That's a meal. True. However, but it's a but like the I flavor think. profiles still stand. Right. I, I want to try it. It's like that in a glass of milk is the cream. So the ice cream. So yeah. No, it, I, I, I want to try it. We yeah. need to find it, and we need to try. I, it. Christina I will leave you out of it. Want to get my own <laughs> ice cream machine soon? <gasps> so I might try that. Mm. Okay, alright, wait, Tell I wanna try I wanna I try it, don't leave me out <laughs> Like, you just said it sounds disgusting I don't like being left out Okay, <laughs> fine, we'll let you in on the disgusting ice cream <laughs> We'll all have an ice cream party, I'll make yeah. you ice cream There you go <laughs> I guess <laughs> Okay, so here we are, we're at Flourish and Blots Which is <laughs> a great name I, Okay, you That bitch Is a bitch, but like, you gotta She's a, she's a fun namer, and like in like a kids fantasy book kind of way she's like so good at it no the the wordplay is really top-notch yeah top-notch wordplay um so 
he gets to the books. They they get to the trio. Gets to the bookstore, and it's crowded because there's a book signing. And like, I'm a, I'm a book lover, and I love books. But like, I would leave. I would be like, no, thank you. I don't know or care about this person, and I'm going to leave now. I would have mm-hmm. to look up and be like, do I know this person? Well, yeah, that's probably true. You know, I maybe, accidentally read their book and without realizing it. <laughs> maybe this is why uh, Molly Weasley was so willing to go on this day. Oh my god, that's probably true! This is probably also why uh, Hermione was going on that day. <gasps> uh, Hermione no. probably keeps sh- keeps up with that shit, because Hermione Death. also has a crush they on They learned Gilbert about it from Wish Weekly! Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because Hermione's got, like, her whole secret life that, like, we hear about every once in a while, where it's like, oh no, Hermione knows about a lot of shit that, like, she just doesn't talk to Harry abroad about. Yeah, well, we know she gets the Daily Prophet. I guarantee you there was something in there about a book signing. So, well, she yeah. starts getting the Daily Prophet later on, but, like, it, just true. in general, whenever, like, there's gossip with, like, the girl world of Hogwarts, it's always like, oh, no, no, I can tell you all about that. Like, Harry and Ron have been wondering about it for weeks, yeah. and she's like, you could have just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they probably should a lot more frequently. Mm. So it's crowded as hell. They get in there. Gilderoy Lockhart's there. Harry's like, who the fuck? And all of his books have his face on them, so there's, like, 1,000 Lockhart faces just smiling. And then there's, like, the photographer, who's, like, such a dick, he's, like, dancing around trying to get a good photo. Steps on Ron's foot. And then, God, this is just, I'm like, I'm an extrovert, and this is, like, such a nightmare situation to me. Like, he's just like, it can't be Harry Potter! And, like, grabs him. And no. Harry's, like, only ever tried to, like, blend in, honestly. You, like, feel the spotlight just shift to Harry. Yeah. Uh, it would shrink immediately. Uh, well, he is very uncomfortable with his fame in just, general. And then just bring him in front of, like, a Daily Prophet photographer and this douchebag that he doesn't know. He doesn't know just, him. I just, yeah. yeah, and, like, from an adult perspective, like, as a kid, it's like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. But, like, <laughs> as an adult, it's like, if I was accompanying, like, I've got... I've got a nephew about this age, and if I was, like, accompanying my nephew and some random stranger just, like, grabbed him in a store and started taking, like, photos with him for the newspaper, I'd be like, I should be doing something about this! Why are you unattended? I should- someone should be protecting you! It should probably be me! But Molly Weasley is, like- a celebrity, at least, so they kind of, like- weird admissibility of like oh, I guess it's a celebrity so if he grabs a 12 year old it's alright like like he's a, he's a famous 12 year old who doesn't know what to do with his fame and like people just take advantage of him like this happens again with Rita Skeeter people mm. just grab him and start talking at him I Call think consent. that Molly have Weasley a lot of feelings about this. Molly Weasley would have protected him from Rita Skeeter but Molly Weasley has her rose colored glasses on for Gilderoy Lockhart and she's like I'm gonna also grab Harry later and then it will be as if I have grabbed Gilderoy Lockhart myself <laughs> transitive <laughs> love like I'm not mad at Molly Weasley here like she like this is this is obviously a, a surprise situation but like it just really drives home the fact that like he has no guardians like, yeah. ostensibly, it's the Dursleys, but, like, he has no... Go- no one is looking out for him. No one is protecting him. He definitely doesn't have a guide in this world. Yes. Do you, um, yeah. do you guys think Harry is an introvert or an extrovert? I think he's introvert. Uh, yeah. I would say introvert. Yeah, Not, like, too. a strong introvert, but, like, he definitely... He's not he, like you, Haley. No, well, no one... Almost nobody is as introverted as me. I would like, argue that Sean is... Just, Sean and I are on roughly the same level, like, <laughs> which, which is like the, 
highest or lowest level, depending on how you see it. <laughs> and somehow like, you both tolerate me and we, for gr- great long periods of time. Very impressive. Because yeah, because you take us out into public and then don't like you talk for us. Like you, we can just <laughs> cling to you at a party and like we don't have to talk to other people if we don't want to. Oh, I had to argue a friend's bill in South Dakota because she didn't want to. <laughs> I, I'm extroverted in almost every way except for when it comes to customer service interactions. Oh. <laughs> I will get the coldest burger and just be like, yeah, sure, it's great, no problem. And my like, you didn't ask for that. I'm like, no, no, it's fine, don't bother them. <laughs> Well, it was like, okay, like, I'll eat whatever you serve me. I'm not going to make a fuss, but don't you charge me for something I didn't get. That's what it was. It was like, okay, I actually had, like, the literal worst dining experience of my life in South Dakota, which is, like, I'm not even exaggerating. And it was like, oh, yeah, shock and awe. (laughs) Um, But but it was like, it it was like, we were hysterically laughing the whole time because it was, like, so such a god-awful experience. And I was like... I'm not paying these extra three fucking dollars, dude, because you got my order wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the other thing that I really, uh, that I really couldn't help but avoid with reading about Gilderoy Lockhart this, uh, this run through is I already knew it, obviously, but how well he checks off every single box for a grifter. <laughs> like, as someone who's uh, become an avid listener of Behind the Bastards, uh, yeah, this, Robert Evans this is good like, to you. Dude, this would be a perfect Behind the Bastards episode. Fun update. Together, Andrew and I are producing a Robert Evans Behind the Bastards homage episode of The Restricted Section, which we're going to post on our Patreon account. For those who don't know, Behind the Bastards is a podcast that Andrew and I love, and it's one of our favorite journalists, Robert Evans, talking about what made the shittiest men in history. And they are almost always men, because that's what happens when you leave women out of history, is they're not the bastards. So if you want to hear us break apart Gilderoy Lockhart's history and how that led him to be a terrible person and a grifter as an adult, please subscribe to our Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Literally every turn would be like, and then he did this. He went down to the cave and tried to mind erase the children (laughs) with him. That's great and good and fun. Yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart for president 2020. Oh, no. Oh, actually, I might prefer Yeah, I prefer that. Certain Mm, options. At least he's nice. I mean, ish. Yeah, not really. I think he's nice. All right. I'm going to steal your story. He's superficially nice. Yeah, like he's pleasant to be around. (laughs) Maybe that's wrong. Am I wrong? This maybe I, for, uh, I wouldn't hang out with him by Kenneth choice. Branagh's, uh interpretation of the character. Yeah, that I nice th- to be around. He does bring a lot of charisma to the role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I would have a drink with Kenneth Branagh's Lockhart, but like maybe not with Book Lockhart. Book Lockhart. Oh my gosh! I'd just be staring at his face for being so disfigured with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did notice that there's no, usually these Bloomsbury Illustrated editions have like beautiful, intricate portraits of new characters when they're introduced. There's a really wonderful one of Harry, Draco, McGonagall, Dumbledore, Ron, just like portraits of them. So beautiful and detailed. And this chapter didn't have one of Lockhart. So maybe we'll see it later when we get to Hogwarts. I'm not going to peek ahead. Um, but I'm interested to see because the Scholastic. Um, chapter header illustrations are are kind of really wonky. Like all of them mm-hmm. are wonky, yeah. but this yeah. Bloomsbury Illustrated Edition is lovely. So, and so far, all of the portrait depictions have been 
um, really in line with my personal. Although I guess we haven't had one of Hermione yet, which is interesting. Um, maybe we'll get there. So, 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 so. Lockhart pulls Harry out of the crowd and is like, come on, photo op, nice big smile, Harry, together, you and I are worth the front page. And he makes, like, this big show of giving Harry a stack of all of his books for free, which is, like, so stupid. Um, And then he announces he's gonna be teaching at Hogwarts! Oh my god, what a wonderful surprise for everyone! I'm so excited. Yeah. So then Harry, who is a nice boy, a little more, like, thoughtful than most 12-year-old boys to, like, give his books away to Ginny. I think that most 12-year-old, it wouldn't occur to them. Well, because he already felt bad. Like, yeah. he's already been feeling bad for, like, the past week. So, yeah. like, this is the one thing he can do. Also, he definitely got that teaching position to inflate his book sales, right? Oh, oh 100%. Hell yeah. No one else yeah. would take it, also. It was, it was a part of the marketing plan he took to his publisher. Well, it, it's oh, a yeah. guaranteed seven <laughs> sales for every student. Yep. Oh, true. Times well, however many students are in Hogwarts. Except for we decided the twins are going to share. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I mean, that's just that's just sensible. That's just sensible. Did you guys ever share textbooks with your roommates or classmates yes. in college? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I, I just didn't buy them up. I did, well, I didn't have a lot of roommates. I was an RA. So, uh, not so much. I think I, I did, like... share them with fraternity brothers. I think I shared them more in the beginning when we were taking gen eds than like mm-hmm. later. I didn't have many friends who were in the English department, but yeah. but the English gang was in it together, and we were like, "Where can we pirate all these books from?" And then we would yes. all just like source pirate together. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff from the library. I feel like the library, like at Hogwarts, will probably have like at least one copy of each of these. But like, also any student who's too broke to afford their own copies, which would like. They're they're all on like a waiting list to do their homework. Well, or it's like a reference book that you're not allowed to check out. True, because I think that my university had a reference section that included some textbooks, but you weren't allowed to take them. I mean, we know that uh, Hogwarts has multiple copies of at least certain books, because like in with uh, Half Blood Prince, when Harry gets the book, it's because it was in the it was like a uh, uh, school oh, copy, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a school copy. Yeah. So some yeah, of the standard true. textbooks, but this is hardly a standard textbook. Well, yeah, they definitely don't already have this book in mass. Maybe like one yeah, copy. Yeah, maybe like one copy of each, I would say. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So then Harry gives Who are we these- kidding? <laughs> Lockhart would have given like 12 of each for, for posterity in the library. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So after Harry gives Jenny's books, the Malfoys appear. da da Huh? His boyfriend turns up. Boyfriend. Yeah. Um, the first time Ginny speaks in front of Harry in her life is to defend him, which I love that. Like, That's I can't speak good. to you, but I'll speak for you. And I will I'm throw down. Is, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, fuck right off my boyfriend. Well, really, it's Draco and Ginny fighting over Harry in this moment. That's what's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. nope. <laughs> um, so then... I don't I don't know what this is about. My note just says, ugh, Mr. Malfoy is such a dick. Well, he just, like, you don't talk that way to kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter how terrible the parent is, you just, like, don't. You don't well, initially, include the kid. Initially, he's just, like, arguing with Arthur Weasley, because Arthur Weasley comes up and, like, is about to break up the fight and, like, take the kids away from the store, and then Lucius turns up and is like, well, 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 yeah. Arthur Weasley. 
So I guess what I'm saying is you don't talk that way in front of a kid. Mm, true. I would never. Um, At least not in the 90s. They have words about what disgraces the name of wizard. And then Mr. Weasley attacks Mr. Malfoy. I remember that there was an actual fisticuffs. It seems pretty pretty out of character for Mr. Weasley, if you ask me. Does it, though? Yeah, I think it does. He fathered fathered Charlie, the twins, and Ron. And Ginny. This is the man who fathered Ginny Weasley. The most ready- to fight person in the entire series. He was even Mar none slaps a bitch in the final. War. Oh yeah, Ma- <laughs> you know like the Weasleys are like pretty. And I mean, even Ron is always like, "Yo, we'll duel you at midnight. Let's go." The Weasleys are ready to fight you, except Percy. Sit down, yeah. Percy. Tag team wrestling team. <laughs> no, Percy. Wild gingers. No, Percy <laughs> takes after. But I think I feel like Percy and Bill both take after Molly more, and that like they will throw hands, but like it takes a lot more to get them to that point. Whereas like Ron, at least Fred, and definitely Jenny will like a fight at the drop of a hat. Yeah, they barely need an excuse. They're like always already fighting. Yes. <laughs> Um, so then, the, I, I just, I love the whole thing. I love that Hagrid is the one who pulls them apart. Yeah, just lifts them up in the air. That's a, that is three like, people hey. in this, in this chapter, two of them grown men, that Hagrid literally lifts up by the scruff of the neck. <laughs> but it's like, who else would have stopped that fight if it wasn't no, like, Hagrid? I, no, like, I was initially thinking this when Hagrid, like, saves Harry from Nocturne Alley. Like, we talk shit about Hagrid's qualifications to deal with children, but, like, <laughs> when you're dealing with wizard children, the main qualifications that you need are, like, durability and physical strength. Because, <laughs> oh, like, they, yeah, because, yeah, like, you're just dealing with, like, someone who can bend the fabric of reality with their mind and has no control <laughs> over it and is also hormone adult. So, like, if you're, if you're at Hogwarts, which has to be one of the most dangerous places in the UK, just for that fact alone, it's just a building full of fucking nuclear reactors. Like, you need someone who can just pick something up and carry it away when it's throwing a tantrum without it, like, destroying him. Do you think Haggard is secretly jacked underneath, like, all the shit? Nothing secret about it. Nothing (laughs) secret about it. If you can handle Scrooots, you look jacked. Because Robbie Coltrane himself is kind of chubby. He's He's not really muscular. No, but that's like that's like gladiator built. Like you, gladiators were not like Hugh Jackman true. ripped. They were like chubby, over muscular. True. You're in all talking. seriousness, in all yeah. seriousness, you simply cannot carry that much weight without being muscular underneath. Like you just can't. And there's like a certain amount of um, like power that you carry with you just by being able to throw your own weight around. My best friend in high school, David Thomas, is like six foot five. And he's like 300 pounds. And there's like, he's just a massive dude. And like, it just be that way. There's also, you know, the concept of like dad strength. Yeah. How like, like dads or grandpas are like surprisingly strong. Yeah. 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 Hagrid definitely has that. Well, no, Hagrid is the personification of dad strength. Yep. He's the only person in this whole fucking book series that wor- like works his, like with his body for a living. That's another thing I get at the hospital with that book of dad jokes is dad strength. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I've been waiting all my life for the dad strength. <laughs> so, Hagrid pulls them apart. The Malfoys leave, probably because mostly Lucius Malfoy just is like, unhand me, fucking oaf. And it's like, I'm out of here. Um, and then it turns out that Lockhart is like super into this whole thing because he's like, this will make for great press. We skipped over uh, Lucius doing close-up magic, which is really easy to do when it 
being written about instead of performed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You did a lot um, of sleight of hand there. Well, it's also a lot easier to do when people are used to other all other kinds of magic. No one's looking for close-up magic. Oh, man. I just realized that, like, the twins mastered, like, lockpicking and presumably a little bit of sleight of hand. And, like, here Lucius Malfoy... The guy who, like, looks down on muggles as a concept, even, fucking pulled some f- sleight of hand to get this book after being hit in the head with an encyclopedia of toadstools, which I have to say is very impressive. <laughs> that is a thick volume right there. It's gotta there's, be. <laughs> there's also a huge argument to be made that what Fred and George do is basically they're the magicians of the magical world. They use their magic in a way that people do not do it. And that's why, like, when they do their uh, fireworks, everyone says, like, they, Harry talks about how he's never seen anything like it and stuff. They are literally doing magic in the magic world. They're pushing the boundaries of what you can do and using, you know, distraction and things like that. They're, they are magicians amongst wizards. It's like art. It's like, um, like it's magic as, like, an art form instead of a science. Right. Mm. Have you, um, has anyone started reading, um, Harriet Porber yet for our bonus episode? Not, Not yet. yet. Oh, she the main character is a spell writer, so it's like kind of uh-huh. like that. Um, you should fuck it and read it because it is very wild. I've never read a Chuck Tingle in my life, but me neither. I'm really it is. Um, he refers to himself. He's like, he's like, you know, you should never fall in love with a bad boy like me. I'm only this way because the writer Chuck Tingle wants to make a point about how I'm not the right guy. <laughs> I've got to read this. Book. It's very funny. I've had my coworkers will mention Chuck Tingle from time to time. So when you mention it on that episode, I'm like, oh, okay, I have context. Of- He's always topical. Seven dollars. Uh, design. It's seven dollars and like seventy pages. Like it's worth. It's worth it. You know, just just re- it's like so stupid and ridiculous. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. So Lockhart was pleased because the Daily Prophet is writing an article about him, and he's like, can you get this fight in the article? Just like anything. He's probably gonna, like, work his way into the fight somehow and be, like, pulled apart by half-giant Gelderay Lockhart. (laughs) (laughs) Guaranteed Um, front page. Yeah. So, and then they all say goodbye, and then the Grangers leave, and then they go home. (laughs) What an anticlimactic end to a fairly meaty chapter. I would at least be like, I need a fucking beer. No, like, the end of the chapter is literally <laughs> Harry just being like, yeah, I don't fucking like flu powder. <laughs> <laughs> flu powder sucks. Like, this whole day started with flu powder and just went to shit from there. <laughs> but at least I got ice cream. <laughs> so does anyone have any last thoughts about this chapter that we didn't get to? I, I kind of missed this, but when we when he first met, went into um, Bergen and Borks, but I, I got this thought while watching the movie yesterday. This whole book called Harry Potter in the Wrong Place at the Wrong Time. It's yeah. so oh, full God. of mislocated shit. Like Definitely the Mrs. Norris thing. Yep, yeah. the Mrs. Norris thing. He accidentally comes across Colin Creevy at a bad time. He yeah. gets into the wrong store. Like, he's just directionally challenged in this. And <laughs> Just, like, walk away so from where you think you want to walk. Yeah. Harry and Potter he accidentally flies into the Whomping Willow, took a wrong <laughs> left, you know. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I've, I'm sure you've seen all of the different, like, meme series with, like, what Harry Potter should have been named. There's the one that's, like, from Hermione's perspective, and etc. I, is- I really like this chapter, though. I'm yeah, it's so a good glad. one. There's a there's just like a lot of different things that we love about Harry Potter going on in this chapter. 
I was excited when I'm like, okay, Flourish and Blot's great. I can talk about Gilderoy Lockhart. And then I realized that it encompassed the flu powder and the Nocturne Alley stuff. I'm yeah. Like, oh, my meat and potatoes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I think, it's one of my favorite things about the Harry Potter series. And one of the reasons that there's so much fan fiction stuff written about it is that Harry Potter is a world where you truly feel that stuff is always going on in the background away from the main character. A lot of stories, especially meant for kids, feel like they're kind of like on a stage almost, and you're only the only thing going on in that world is whatever the lights are touching. Yeah. Harry Potter does not feel that way. It has a huge world. It's constantly going. And this is the first book that that really starts to show. Yeah. I think that a lot of times I've been reading it in certain chapters in the first book, I would have this feeling of like, this is the Harry, like this feels like Harry Potter and I'm still getting that, but I'm starting to realize that what that feeling is, is the overall world, how big the world is and how much detail there is. And it's filling in those gaps. That's what feels like Harry Potter to me. I think is that giant constant moving wizarding life that could be going on all around you. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think that like this book and number three in particular, like the genius of this series is like, it's not even the world building. It's not the magic. It's the fact that like you age with the characters and like they age in a realistic way. And like this book and number three, like when you're 12 and 13, that's when you start catching on to how the world works. That's where you start catching on to like what you're being protected from. And because you're like the, the adults around you are ceasing to protect you from it. Like you start becoming more aware of like, the context and like the, the gears that turn the world that you've like just been living in. And like, this is where you first start seeing it. And like, it really kicks into high gear in number three, which I think is why so many people love number three. But like, as much as, as much shit as this book gets, like a lot of people consider this their least favorite book, but like, I really enjoy it just for the subtle world building that it sets up. I've always thought that the reason people think this is their least favorite book is because well, like the the lesser evil is not right, but like I think that there's just like one really big thing to love in like a lot of the other books. You know what I mean? Or like some really big reason. It's it's hard to deny when they start getting really dark and raw that that becomes like a much more complicated and like ultimately satisfying story. So That's I true. think I think it's like number one has a really special place in our hearts, and then it's like depending on what kind of person you are, it's like one of the later ones is your favorite. There's also a lot of good comedy in this, um, yeah. especially the movie, which I loved. Um, watching uh, yesterday, I'm like, they're like, oh, follow the spiders. Why couldn't it be follow the butterflies? And just Gilderoy Lockhart's character in general. Yeah. It's just funny. I mean, there wasn't a lot of comedy in the first one. So coming into this one, I'm like, okay, lighter well, tone. And in the first one, it's just, like, it's just, it's a whirlwind, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no time to, like, really be doing, like, the whole mystery of, like, the Sorcerer's Stone and stuff, yeah. like, it, it really doesn't take that much of the story. It's, they're, Ron, like, Hermione and Harry both are, like, new to this whole world, and Ron's just an idiot, so he also is just like, whoa, I can't believe I'm here right now. And that's, like, the whole, that's, like, the first book is just that. So this is yeah. when we're, like, cool, we get it. We're settled uh, into the character. Yeah, we had our first chapter being like a very strange boy named Harry Potter. And we're like, <laughs> oh, okay, that right? Was a slog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But so, like, now we're really ready to, like, fucking get into it. And yeah, I think, Kaylee, you're right. It's kind of like each book just, like, widens the lens a little further. You know yeah. what I mean? You're, you're allowed to see more. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. That's a great place to end this episode. Let's move on to some plugs. Andrew, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I am pretty sure I have plugged him before, and I know I've plugged his podcast, but I'm going to be plug- plugging uh, Robert Evans. Uh, We've brought at- him up like six times in this <laughs> yeah. episode already. Yeah, so you should really check him out. Uh, his Twitter is at IWriteOkay. Um, <laughs> and he uh, he's a conflict journalist, and he has been, he lives in Portland now. And he's been covering since day one all of the protests that are going on, and a lot of the information that's getting out there is coming from him and people like him. But uh, he's also he also writes for uh, Bellingcat, uh, the name of the website that is like long form stuff is published on. But he's an absolutely brilliant journalist, and he has been literally like on the front lines, getting tear gas, getting shot with like munitions and stuff. Like this guy has been doing incredible work and if you even want to take like five minutes just feel horribly horribly uh panicked about where the world's at and where the country's at just go through his twitter feed and it it's amazing he's just like such a truly badass contemporary journalist you know what i mean like he just really like like he's the hero that we need right now you know what i mean like we need someone on the ground like telling us what's up and yeah, he like I, we, honestly, I listened to his podcast behind the bastards, and like today's episode, he's like, uh, he's like coughing, and he's like, oh, sorry, I got like tear gas last night. Sorry about it. And it, it's real. He's like always casually mentioning. He's like, oh yeah, I've been shut up before, um, but like let's move on with this. He's just like the coolest dude. Yeah. He, he sorry to steal a, your plug. I just love. No, this guy you're absolutely. Too. <laughs> he, he's an absolutely brilliant human being, and uh, in so many ways, not just intelligence, just like everything he does, and. I really, really can't say enough that if you have any interest at all in what's going on, you should check out this stuff. It's horribly depressing. So yeah. definitely like be, know that you're <laughs> going to see very disturbing shit, but sometimes you got to see that so that you can really appreciate where we're at. Yeah. He does an ad on his podcast for better health um, where he's like, my life's pretty fucked up. If you feel <laughs> the same way, you might need better health therapy yeah. app. <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by better health. Yet. Yet. Haley, your turn. Um, so I've been talking this up uh, kind of a lot over the past week, so sorry if you guys are sick of it. Um, I recently watched The Death of Stalin. Um, it is a 2018 black comedy about uh, the power grabs in like the Soviet leadership immediately following the death of Stalin. Steve Buscemi as Khrushchev. Um, Jason Isaacs, who we all know and love as Lucius Malfoy, is... Uh, Lucius Marshall- Malfoy. Mm-hmm. He's uh, very daddy as uh, mm-hmm. Marshal Zhukov, who is like the head of the Red Army. He does like a Yorkshire accent, and it's kind of sexy with the uniform. Wait, have um, you ever seen Jason, Ga- Jason Isaacs? six in a role where he wasn't a dad because i'm also thinking about peter pan where he plays mr darling i mean i don't he's not like actively a dad in this but like he's very daddy oh Um, i got you okay okay yeah no like like that kind of dad (laughs) not actively (laughs) a dad (laughs) um it's just it's very dark but it's very funny um and really it, it it handles a lot of fucked up stuff really well. I'll just say that. Uh, Christina, if you want to like link the Red Band trailer, specifically the Red Band trailer. Send uh, it to me. 
Yeah. Well, when I'm editing this episode, I'll text you and say, yeah, just, just, just let me know. I'll send it. Okay. But like, it's, it's hilarious, but like, it's also kind of topical to right now, just because you've got like secret police firing on civilians. Like it's, it's not completely unfamiliar. Yeah. Well, cool. Good yeah. Rick. All right, next to our soon-to-be daddy, Daniel. Oh, that's mm. me. <laughs> um, so I'm going to cl- plug um, the general concept of British panel shows. Uh, <laughs> I've never had anyone plug a concept before. Or, I love more it. Specifically, more specifically is Taskmaster, um, which is an amazing uh, show in the UK. Um, more in, in the UK, they, on game shows have comedians as contestants instead of normal people, which makes for a much better game show because it's way more entertaining with the banter. Um, Taskmaster is five comedians who do a bunch of tasks, um, like lateral thinking stuff. Um, one of my favorites is they'll put, they were put in a dark room with like these pots in front of them of paint. And they're like, okay, paint a rainbow in the dark. And you can't see the paints, nothing, so it's best rainbow wins. And then one person was smart enough to figure out there was a light switch that was, like, (laughs) illuminated and glow-in-the-dark tape. And they're like, there was nothing against the rules saying you couldn't turn on the lights. Oh my god, that's, like, one of those stupid, like, that's, like, a stupid, like, um, like, iPhone brain teaser app, you know what I mean? (laughs) I was playing some of those yesterday with my friend Nana, it was stupid. I love it. It's just filled with a bunch of lateral thinking puzzles. And That's so the funny. It's amazing. They have a bunch of those too, like uh, QI and uh, was mm-hmm. how many cats, something or another. QI was my favorite. <laughs> how many cats? Um, is, yeah, how many cats? Sounds like the most British game ever. <laughs> That's not the full time. Cats does countdown. Cats um, does countdown. That's yep. It, yeah. Yep. Oh, I love British panel shows. I love them so much. Do you want to plug any of your personal stuff or nah? Um, I don't do a lot of stuff. That's I'm fine too. Dan DeShetler on Twitter. Um, you can probably find in the show notes. I basically just fanboy about Hamilton and the McElroy brothers on my Twitter. Yeah, same uh, though. <laughs> that's like that's like the niche audience we hit. It's like that intersection. <laughs> <laughs> we can also probably put a link to my wife's page. She um we used to host a podcast called the Ordinarily Simple Podcast, um, in which we did kind of like minimalist life advice. Um, cause we try to adhere to kind of minimal concepts in our life, not, not to keep a lot of stuff around, you know, really treasure moments. And on her page, she's posting a bunch of stuff, um, getting ready for baby, organizing the baby room, making sure we've got essentials and like meaningful stuff and kind of coming to that journey of crap. We are minimalist, but we have to have a baby. And that implies getting a lot of stuff. Babies need shit for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Yep, I'm excited. Aww. Four Aww. more weeks till baby comes. Aww. Oh, damn. Man, <laughs> soon. I love other people's babies so much. Like, really, I'm <laughs> Our, so excited. One of the first onesies we bought with um, this pregnancy was uh, Harry Potter onesies. Yay! So yep. <laughs> well... I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at Yo Girl of the World. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. This week, I'm going to plug. Um, I haven't really been reading or because I, I was on vacation um, hiking in South Dakota. So I didn't. I mean, South Dakota is great, but I mean, there's probably better places to go to. Um, if you want like good hiking and good food, go to like Denver or something. <laughs> 
I mean, it's not like I gotta go straight. That's not what I'm here to plug. Um, I'm gonna plug this game that I used to play a lot. It's like, it's like an iPhone app game. I used to play it a lot, but, um, I have really bad playing anxiety. I mean, I was, I was like 10 when 9-11 happened. So like, I, I just have like playing anxiety, you know? Um, and I have this app on my phone that is like the most like nicest meditative game. Um, it's like the closest thing that I ever get to like, meditating i'm like a very loud busy minded person it's called hue h-u-e this game is actually called i love hue which is admittedly a much better name one day i'll learn to double check my plugs names before i just say them i'm so embarrassing stay tuned to find out if i remember to do that next week and it's basically like an elaborate rainbow with like a lot of different like shades and hues like in a grid and it mixes them up, and you just, like, gently sort the colors back into order. Oh, God, that sounds right oh. up my alley. So yes. I really recommend it if I really recommend it if you need a little, like me, if you need a little bit help, like, quieting your brain sometimes. And we can all expect not to hear from Haley for about five to seven days. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll send you a I'll link, Haley. I think you'd like it. It's good to be known. <laughs> <laughs> You can find us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod. You can find us on Twitter at RestrictedPod. You can visit our website, RestrictedSectionPod.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Restricted Section Detention Crew. You can find us on Patreon at The Restricted Section. You heard us talk in this episode about Chuck Tangles, Harriet Porber, and the rest of the elaborate title that I can never remember because it includes the name of the dinosaur. That's going to be our next bonus episode with me, Brooke, <laughs> Haley, and Andrew. Um, and I, I, like I said, I started reading that book. I'm like, you don't want to miss that. That's going to be awesome. So head on over to our Patreon for as little as 25 cents an episode. You can be beloved by us. I mean, that's fun. Do you need yeah. any, any other motivation? Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so get the fuck off my computer screen, I guess. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, thanks for coming, Daniel. I always forget <laughs> to do that part. <laughs> it was Wait. fun. Thank okay, you for good. having me. Yes, thank you for coming. Oh, I'm such an asshole. No, you're fine. <laughs> this, this was a lot of fun, actually. Dan, it was lovely meeting you. Yeah, that was, was a really meeting you. That was a really yeah. good episode. Yeah, like, it was a lot of fun. We're that definitely was... gonna have you back. I yes. appreciate it. <laughs> oh, the next time we have you back, you'll have a baby. Oh, oh yes. my god! Stay tuned. Yeah, it's like we'll pre- preemptive. Add me on. Facebook yeah, preemptive. Congratulations. Thank you yeah. so much. Yes. Yeah. Poor, oh. poor girl. She'll wake up in the morning with severe back pains. And I'm just like, just hold on, baby. You got four more weeks to go. <laughs> You're like, I can do nothing but support you. Just now. three weeks and six days to go. Just three <laughs> weeks and five days to go. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, good luck with that. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate it. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. Good night, Bye. everyone. Bye. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Khan, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Sometimes I'm like working on fixing like a little like audio audio tick like so closely and then like after working on it for like five minutes i'm just like 
this is a stupid sentence anyway, and I just you like delete the whole in those thing. Waveforms for sure. <laughs> um, when I accidentally zo- there's like a button that accidentally zooms you in as far as you can go, and you be- yep. enter the quantum realm of audio, and you're just yep. like, "Where am I?" <laughs> it's so scary. Yep. It's actually legitimately so scary. 